0: Better way to this. Let me show you a better way.
1: Hi folks, this is Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is August 27, 2020. It's Thursday, this episode 2720 of the Survival Podcast. We didn't have an episode yesterday. Um, I took a mental health day and I went fishing. I had a great day. I went out with a buddy named Hatch and a really cool dude named uh, Omar Cotter. Uh, He's an an Irishman and uh, he's also a prior service uh, United States Marine. He's just a really good friend of mine. He's also a a great guide. He runs a uh, guide service called Luck O' the Irish Guide Service. And I think he does have a luck of the Irish man because... I don't call fishing with Omar fishing with Omar. I call it catching with Omar. I don't think I've ever been out with him where we haven't at least gotten close to a limit uh, of what we were targeting, which is generally white bass. And we did yesterday, we limited out and we were back at the dock at ten thirty. We put in about seven in the morning is actually when the boat left the the dock about right around seven. So in you know, three, three and a half hours and that's driving out and cruising around and bullshitting and everything else, we, we put fifty fish in the boat. We actually put 53 because uh, Hatch caught two catfish, and one nice channel and one decent blue, and I caught a big blue cat. I mean, not a massive blue cat, but when you're on a light rod for sandbass, which averaged like a pound, pound and a half, and, you know, four, four-and-a-half-pound blue cat sucks yeah. down your slab, you'd uh, it's a surprise, you know, especially when you're on a lake with no hybrid. So, uh, always a bonus to come home with a blue cat. And, and and I apologize for not being here. My other apology to you is I apologize for the fact that I screwed up episode twenty seven nineteen and it didn't go out uh, on Tuesday. So most of y'all probably listened to it Wednesday. So I apologize for that too. That's all squared away now. Uh, I made an error with a file attachment and it. So I thought it was there. I sent out the email, everything, put it out on social media, and then. It just didn't work, and it didn't show up in any of the podcast feeds, and uh, I was up at midnight when I had to get up at 4.30 in the morning to go meet those guys at the lake uh, trying to fix it, and I fixed it as best I could, and I did get it working eventually, so I'm sorry for that. Anyway, before we get onto our episode today, well, why don't I tell you what the hell it's about? I've got a guy named uh, Matt, Matt Nerozer, uh and he is from a thing called the Casual Conspiracy uh, Podcast, and... Um, Really cool, dude, and we we have a, a discussion about podcasting as a thing, and a little bit about his new podcast again called Casual Conspiracy Podcast. And you know, I'm not a big time like all in conspiracy theorist. I doubt most conspiracy theories, but I do find them interesting. And that's kind of the way they're coming at this. Him and his two friends, they're talking about conspiracy from a standpoint of. Well, I'm open to things, and maybe there's parts of conspiracy theories that are true and parts that are crazy, and then that way you can have some fun with it. It's a weekly show, and it is pretty cool, and again, it's called Casual Conspiracy Podcast, and it inspired our quote of the day. Here's our quote of the day. Uh, This was by Robert Anton Wilson. He's one of my favorite writers. He's also uh, an anarchist, by the way. He said, You simply cannot invent any conspiracy theory so ridiculous and obviously satirical that some people somewhere don't already believe it. So he's saying that when he... Because he writes a lot in the conspiracy world. He's the co-author of one of my favorite conspiracy books of all time and favorite books of all time, uh, the Illuminatus Trilogy. And... He just makes up the weirdest, most ridiculous shit. And at one point he was like, you know, I make this crap up and people think it's real when it's in a book that's clearly in the fiction section, you know. And it's like, I've made it. And then he realized, like, well, they don't believe it because I wrote it. Somebody somewhere already believed that crazy shit. Like, no matter what I come up with, somebody somewhere already basically had that theory and thought it was real. And you're going to hear a couple of theories today from Matt. Not that he believes, but it just kind of goes that way. And he's like, let me tell you about this. And I'm like, what? I didn't even know that was a thing. And apparently it is a thing. Anyway, um, if you like conspiracy theories or not, if you really want to understand the way the world is being run, I really recommend you check out Robert Anton Wilson and Robert Shea's book called The Illuminati Trilogy. I have a link to today's show notes. People always ask me, like, What's that called? What's that? Because it it's weird. Not Illuminati trilogy. It's the Illuminatus. Illuminatus trilogy. And it's actually th- like trilogy. It's it's three books and one giant book, though I don't think you can buy any of the books individually. And instead of chapters, it's like the third trip. It's uh, it's trippy. It's it's wild. It jumps around in time. Some of it is very plausible conspiracy theory. Some of it is very completely lunatic. Not job. Uh, uh, woo-hoo. Blah, 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 like out there. And um, it's not meant to be seen as real. But what's cool is, like, he talks, today when we talk to Matt, he's going to mention about this, uh, the government trying to figure out if we could talk to dolphins and give a dolphin LSD and whatever. Um, The whole idea of talking dolphin actually comes from this book. There was a whole, um, like, a a TV series called Sequest with a talking dolphin and a dude in a submarine. And it was basically, uh, like, that is, it's really like Hagbard Selene. Uh, in in the Illuminati trilogy books, and uh, I can't remember the dolphin's name, but that, that, that almost everything that you see in like sci-fi and stuff, like the the one-off, uh, you know, stuff like that, that kind of didn't really make it. A lot of stuff that's on on the sci-fi channel now and all and in reruns came right out of this book, and it's really cool. And the the truth in it is how all of these groups that think they're working against each other are actually being used by the people at the top. Um, to control society and, and to do things that they're directly opposed to, they're actually being used to do it. And it makes it very clear when you look at organizations like Black Lives Matter, etc., and how things are going on today, what's really going on. They're all just pieces on the chessboard. And it doesn't matter what side they're on. It matters who's moving the piece and what the two opponents, who aren't actually opponents, are trying to accomplish. And, again, I have a link in the show notes today. Before I get into uh, this with Matt, uh, let me remind you, you can help support our show by doing, uh, by, by, you know, doing business with our uh, sponsors. And uh, Two sponsors of the day, they are Safe Castle Royal, first of all, the original survival podcast sponsor. This is a company, you should at least just check their website out once in a while and say, is there anything there that I could use for my prepping needs? Because everything you want for your prepping is at Safe Castle. And the reason you should do that is just out of loyalty. This company has sponsored this show since 2009. It's 11 years. I called them the original sponsor because they were the first sponsor. Check them out today, safecastle.com. Next up, the Berkey guy, Jeff, the Berkey guy, Gleason. You can find him at directive21.com. What are you going to get for the Berkey guy? Berkey water filtration systems, of course. And uh, we'll even talk a little bit about fluoride today. If you want to get the fluoride out of your water, the Berkey guy has solutions for you. He also has other cool stuff for your prepping needs at directive21.com. With that, let's go ahead and get into this. With that, hey, Matt, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Thanks for having me on, Jack. So, we got you on today to talk about, you know, your new podcast and also really more like starting a podcast in 2020. There's a lot of people in this audience. They have that idea. They'd like to do it someday. And it seems like a big daunting thing. Um, you've recently done that with some of your friends. But before we dig into that, can you tell people just a little bit about, like, who you are, kind of what's, what's your background and, and, and how does it lead up to, to kind of where you are today in the world?
2: Sure. Yeah. So um I always struggled through high school. I went to college, wrapped out after a year. Uh, it just didn't feel right. I kept jumping from job to job. I went back to school for electronic engineering. And when I tried finishing up, I just got super unhappy and I needed to just, just get away. Uh, I woofed on a farm in Montana for six weeks <laughs> until I ran out of money, and then I came back to Minnesota. I started listening to TSP in 2014. I got the idea to walk to freedom in 2015, and then moved to Montana with my now wife in 2016, wanting to, you know, have a more simple life and have a small homestead. And um, when we moved here, she needed new health insurance. So after the move, she got an exam, and they had found early stage of cancer, which uh, normal treatment would have been a hysterectomy. Uh, It was a rare surgery, well, you know, rare for Montana, uh, to allow us to at least try to have kids. And then we had to wait two years post-surgery, and now we have a three-month-old little boy. And, you know, we're living life in western Montana, getting to look at the Bitterroot Mountains every day. So in a way... TSP helped save my wife's life.
1: That's that's pretty amazing. I'm I'm always humbled to hear something like that. So thanks for sharing that with us. That yeah, makes, no problem. That makes a a, 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 a sticky segue <laughs> into the topic because that's a pretty deep thing, man. Um, oh. yep. But how how did you uh, get ideas on? You start out with like, what is your pod? What's the name of your podcast and what's, what's the basic theme and, and, and who's involved
2: with it? So I am one of the hosts of the Casual Conspiracy podcast. Um, it's just me and two of my friends, Chris and Ibrahim from high school. And I always enjoy just goofing off with these guys whenever we get together. And it just seemed like something to do, uh, something fun to do with the friends. And how did you guys come up with like your ideas, the
1: the topics and things like that? Where'd that all come from?
2: So, uh, first off, I am a total amateur. Don't beat me up too bad because I'm a fragile millennial. Uh, (laughs) I don't, I don't know enough about any one thing to make a whole show. Okay. But I was uh, intrigued by the Epstein suicide and I pitched the conspiracy theory idea to Uh, Some friends, they got on board right away. We started getting into it, trying to get both sides. And just in general, conspiracy theories are kind of fun and funny, like, the water's making the freaking frogs gay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you can't see that uh, without just laughing, right? And so, um, but, you know, some conspiracy theorists can go too far, but we really kind of need those people to make our content sure. and you know, there's uh, there's the people, you know, that's just a conspiracy theory. But you know, at one point, sexual abuse in the Catholic Church was just a conspiracy. Sure, uh, now look, yeah, um, built uh, Bilderberg
1: was a conspiracy for years. Oh, that's not a thing, that doesn't exist, that's not real. And that well, now it has its own dedicated Wikipedia page. And now it's like, but there's nothing to see here. The, the most rich and powerful <laughs> people in the world get together for a week or two every year in a secret location that eventually gets leaked. And you can't see anything or know anything about what happens. But
2: they're all playing Canasta or something like that, right? Right. Wasn't there something like the Magnificent Twelve or something also? or? That's something I'm not familiar with. There probably is.
1: But, oh, okay. Yeah, but I, I, I don't. The only magnificent thing I can think of is like the Magnificent Bastards movie or something. <laughs> but it's sure, I mean, there's who knows what the hell else is out there. I can't that's kind of what you guys do, right? Is explore what's what's out there. And I think one interesting thing yeah. about it is a conspiracy theory does not have to be true to have truth. So, you can look sure. at some of the the pedophilia conspiracy theory stuff that's out there and some of it I think is just whacked out lunatic. Um, yeah. But I also think, like, when you start digging into it, like, okay, well, that seems to vet true, that, and that's incredibly disturbing, like, just because it's not 100% true doesn't mean there's not something there to be uncovered.
2: Exactly. That seems to be, that seems to come up almost every episode, like, you know, it's ripe for conspiracy, or, mm. you know, there's things about this that would make sense that people would believe that there's a bigger picture uh, going on. So it's, it's just interesting to dive in and see what people believe and why they believe it. So, sure, sure. Absolutely, man. So,
1: um, when you guys got set up, like what kind of like gear and and things did you need to get set up to be able to do
2: this? Well, first probably learn from other podcasts, like listening to your show. Uh, you've talked about it a lot, you know, in segments throughout the years, um, Nicole Soss just did an episode about this very recently on how to start a podcast and um, you know, kind of like, you know, you visiting other workshops, you need to make notes and write about what you like or don't like about these other podcasts. And then, you know, I guess just pick a topic. Like, what do you want to talk about? You know, what interests you? I, for you, obviously, it's not any one thing. Like, there's such a, what I love about TSP is it's such a wide variety that it's, you know, almost never the same thing, like, in a single month. Like, you'll have, you know, however many episodes, 20, 25 episodes a single month, and almost nothing will repeat. Mm-hmm. I, I find that awesome. Um, and the tone of the show. Like, is it going to be serious? Is it going to be entertaining? Is it going to be teachable? Is it just going to be straight comedy? I guess want to figure out how you're trying to, um, you know, set the tone for the show. And then come up with a format. So, you know, do your introduction like you do. Is there any, like, housekeeping stuff, like you say, you want to get out of the way? And then go into the meat and potatoes or, you know, find what works for you. It might not be that. It might be something else. And try to stick with it because there's a lot of times where I've forgotten to say something in the beginning or at the end and I didn't make a note on it. And then, but, you know, it's, I don't feel like going back and um, putting it back into the show. So I just roll with it and make a note for next time. Hey, idiot, you know, you forgot to mention this. Um, And then you could, uh you know next step would be to come up with a name you know you say do what you say and say what you do sure. well we want to keep the the conspiracy casual so casual conspiracy podcast is how it's got its name and <laughs> people can't get upset at us for not doing enough research or taking it seriously with a name like that um I just I kind of wanted to make it like a like a fallback almost like, you know, Mm -hmm. the people that really want to dive deep into, hey, you know, this and that, you know, you missed this. And I don't want to do hours and hours and hours of research. Sure. I kind of want to just skim the surface, maybe a little deeper, maybe a little deeper if I find it interesting enough. But I don't I don't want to be one of these guys that spends just every waking hour like, you know searching one thing, trying to connect the dots. I'm just...
1: You don't want the path to the dark side where it completely consumes every single bit of your being until you are nothing but a walking conspiracy theorist, right? You want to have more of a conversation. The way normal people... Who are open to this? <laughs> have a discussion at work around the water cooler. If they're allowed to do that anymore without a mask on, right? Like you want to have right. that kind of normal guy discussion, and then it, uh, as a
2: podcaster, you're involving a larger audience in your discussion. Exactly. Yeah, I want. I'm trying to get that kind of that fringe where I've got the people that you know are kind of skeptical about things, and the people that you know know more than I do. I want both, um, you know, people that are interested in learning about these things, and the people that you know can supply content. You know, hey, you missed this detail, or like, what about this? Or hey, there might be something here. Um, you know, little little breadcrumbs, I guess. Gotcha. So, um, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, the and then you know you could you can build a website. Uh, some of these platforms, they'll like, if whatever you choose to use to record your podcast, uh, sometimes they'll give you like a website, like, I don't know, Podbean slash whatever your name is, they'll give you kind of a little template to work with. But I chose to work with uh, PA prepper from the audience, uh, also known as Josh Sloan. I had asked him if I can mention his stuff for this interview and, he said that he needs a little attention because of, like, his consulting services dried up from this COVID stuff. Mm. You can find him at Get a Host Now. Um, and so I was – I worked with him. He's he's awesome to work with. He's an expert in what he does, and he has awesome customer service. Like, I sent him an email asking, like, one little thing at, like, 1030 at night, and I got a reply 15 minutes later. So that's – I mean – it's definitely he's great to work with. Can't say enough about the guy. Um, other equipment would be just just a smartphone. There's um, a platform I use, Anchor FM. Uh, they make it super easy to just record off of your phone. And a microphone is optional, but if depending on if you want to move into that higher quality, um, you know audio quality. Yeah. And it's unfortunately um, anchor.fM is not free speech. Uh, so I know that's important oh. to some of your listeners. like if you know you went around spouting like white supremacy or whatever, um, they'd probably pull your content and I guess could you really blame them like but you know so they have to they have to play it safe for them I guess and um, I might not continue using anchor.fm. Not for that reason. Like, I might move to Libsyn or Podbean or Zencaster. But as far as like a jumping off point, I would recommend Anchor. Like, if you want to put out like 10 episodes just to see how it goes, it'd be easy to do.
1: Yeah. And I, on your comment on the microphone, microphones are so inexpensive in this day and age. Yes. I highly recommend it. And anybody listening to this show for any length of time knows I am not an audio snob. I encode at 32 kbps, which is like the lowest level that any podcaster probably intentionally encodes at. I do that because I do an hour-and-a-half-long show, and I have users who are on satellite you know, internet. So I think it makes the right. download fast and all when you have longer shows and what have you. And, and nobody seems to complain about that. But I guarantee you, if I was using the deck microphone on my MacBook uh, <laughs> during this interview instead of a condenser mic, which is like an $80 microphone, that sure. It would turn people away. It really would. Back in 08, when I started in my car, it was kind of cool that I was in my car doing it. And it was, you know, road noise and stuff like that. And people kind of, and that, there was a reason for it. But sure. this is 2020, man. I mean, you're competing today with, you know, Fox News and PBS and and, and ABC and every major uh, brand on terrestrial radio. Uh, it has podcasts now. So you're competing with people with full studios and stuff like that. I don't think that you need to go to that level. I think that your your content is more important than the quality of the audio your content comes out in. But I think that it can't be ass. It can't sound like you're in the middle of a trash can or something when you're doing it. You've got to sound you know, clear, and there, ha- there can't be noises that are completely distracting. I know that sometimes you get a technical glitch. I do sometimes, and there'll be like a... definitely and and it sucks and it you net i'm telling you you hear about it man like you put it out you even put it in the like look guys i'm sorry this episode has some you know feedback or whatever in it i can't redo it i've got to run with it and you still you know you you hear about it in a not so good way so yeah the microphone man i yeah get something if you're using your phone I, i don't see why you can't use your uh like your earpiece with the you know that plugs into it or something, at least that is going to give you better quality.
2: Right. And so if you're using headphones on your phone, not necessarily a mic, but then you're not getting feedback or anything like that. Um, we did a, what, what episode was it? I think it was the Epstein podcast uh, episode that we did. Yeah. Like we went through and for whatever reason, the other two guys sounded great. And I sounded like crap. And I think what it was <laughs> is because um, my microphone's actually very sensitive. It's just a Blue Yeti, uh, thirty oh, bucks on Amazon. They're a good mic, though. Yeah, and so I think it was picking up audio coming through my earbuds, mm. and it was backfeeding, and that's why I sounded like crap. Um, and so it, it was like an hour, hour and a half podcast where I sound like crap, and I got so mad that I decided. How we're gonna change our recordings, um, moving away from Anchor, but that's, that's well, now we use Cleanfeed, Cleanfeed.net, um, to record, and then uh, Offonic, which I got the tip from Nicole. So thanks Nicole for that tip. That's made our audio sound a lot better. And uh, yeah, it's we're, we're we're learning as we go. That's that's the big thing.
1: What's it like doing this with friends? Like, kind of, what's your frequency? Are you doing like a weekly, uh, twice a week, whatever? And then how does how does involving partners um, work out? It's you know, my experience has been it's easier to do a podcast with at least one other person because you don't have to carry the whole day. But that people have lives and disruptions and like frequency is everything. Like whether it's high or low, whether it's daily or weekly. Like, but whatever it is, you better do it because you're asking people to invest their time in you so have you had any issues with
2: you know a partnership basically with people showing up or what have you yeah so first off like working with friends is a ton of fun it's great for collaborating ideas and overall I think it makes for a better show for me um, because there's a lot of banter and I can't really monologue that well you know you had five minutes with Jack. Well, if I did that, it would be two minutes with Matt. And you know, it was kind of like when I was writing papers in high school, I'd have to, it'd be like a two page minimum. Well, everything that I wanted to say was in that first page. And I just had to BS the next page. And it just, you know, it just did. You know what I mean? You're just trying to meet that like bare minimum. And so uh, it just, it just wouldn't flow well. And uh, working with friends, you make compromises on the gener- uh, direction of the show. So, like we don't do f-bombs and we don't say retard. Okay. that those two things weren't totally important to me, but it was important to them. and it wasn't like worth me like, no, I want to be able to say whatever I want. like yeah. it's you know you gotta you gotta work with them. And distributing workload, You know, it's kind of like group projects. Someone always ends up doing more work than, than the others, but it's not a competition. And maybe things don't get done as fast as you'd like, but you just gotta roll with it. If it's, you know, not like a, it's just a side thing, right? And one of the guys had told me, you know, like I feel guilty for not doing more. Like it's fine, you know. Like I said, I was gonna do something. And I, you know, texted you the next day, like, hey, this is it. Check it out. You know, like, oh, wow. Um, setting a schedule is, uh, difficult. I'm sure you real, uh, you know, come across that on, on Loose the Goose.
1: Yeah, we've had some issues there. We, I and mean, that's kind of why I'm asking this. Like, so I was never big on the whole, let's get together and do a podcast thing because, Inevitably, one person is more dedicated than the other person or the other persons. So, yeah. part of what I did with ULG is I brought together people that had a following, that were well known, that I thought were great thinkers. That was kind of the, the, the concept. But would they be willing to do it? Okay, they're all podcasters with their own shows, and they've all already demonstrated a willingness to be dedicated to frequently putting out content. And then you know, yeah. people are like, man, you went with like seven people out of the gate. I'm like, yeah, because I knew we'd lose a couple. Oh. Right. I mean, and I sure. knew. And I also knew that, like, if we wanted to have at least a quorum for each episode, like, people have lives. And this is like, we don't, none of us are like, gee, I want something else to do with my life. Right. So, so we were busy in our own ways. And by having that many people, if four show up or three show up or six show up, whatever, and that lets people feel free to, like, I'm going to take a break this week or I got something going on this week. So that's why we went with and that's why we actually plan on increasing the the panel size there as well. Uh, Because you know, maybe eventually instead of weekly we're doing bi weekly, but nobody's doing two shows a week. You know, if we have a we end up with a panel of twelve, we could easily do two shows a week and nobody's doing more than one. In fact, you could have we're Everybody's taking a week off a month, and everybody's doing like three a week, and you'd have or three a month, and then but two a week are going to the audience. Like, so that's kind of the mindset there. So, like, having this broader field, and then like one of the sacrifices we're making is if we have five people talking about a subject for an hour to an hour and a half, we can't go as deep because we want everybody to be heard, and some people maybe don't know as much about that subject. So, the bigger our panel gets. Sure. We can have, like, okay, well, today we're going to talk, you know, this next week, we're going on Tuesday we're going to do a show on permaculture. Well, the people that really love permaculture are going to be the ones that show up as hosts. Right. Right. Or then you have a couple people maybe that show up, like, I, I'm interested in this one, but I'm kind of showing up like an active audience member. I'm not really a host. And if they tell us that we know that and we know, like, to only go to them when they signal that they want to be gone to. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, like, that's my issue has always been. But with you're doing you know, at least you got three, because two is hard, man, because if one's out that week, you're out, right? Like, I mean, you you don't want to do yeah. a solo podcast, and I think the other thing is, like, if you come to your audience with the concept of a group, and then when you're by yourself or your partner's by themselves, it's like, well, that's, 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 that's not what I came here for.
2: Exactly. You know?
1: So, like, with three, at least, like, any one of you any week can be like, dude, I'm out, and oh, we got it, and... You know, go on or bring in a guest on that one or whatever. But it is something, if somebody wants to do this to the point where they're going to make enough money to do it as like their main source of income, I highly advise you to build it alone and bring <laughs> friends on as guests. And if sure. they prove themselves over time, then maybe you talk about offering a partnership because you can make a lot of money podcasting, but a lot of money becomes a little money when you cut it up three or four ways, really, really fast. So, like, if this is something oh, that's a passion and a side hustle, sure. But if you want to build something, then you're better off paying people to be involved than making them partners. Because partnerships, when it's not somebody's thing, when it's not yes. their thing that they're going to do to, because to, if it comes down to it, and I got to go to work to feed my family that's more important than my my hobby. But a lot of great hobby podcasts are out there, a lot of great side hustle podcasts are out there. They're great content just if you personally want to fund your bank account with a podcast, I highly advise that you you anchor down as an individual.
2: 100% agree. I mean, we ran into that issue just earlier this week. We were supposed to record on Monday, mm-hmm. and the guy was working late he said he couldn't make it 15 minutes before we were going to start recording and so we postponed the recording for another good day and I think it'll hold us back from actually like really being su- being successful but if people want to not listen because we don't leave somebody out just to stick to a schedule uh I don't I don't really I'm not sure we want them in the audience yeah, anyways I but I agree with that No matter how bad I wanted to just record anyways, I got to ask myself, you know, is this decision worth possibly damaging over 15 years of friendship? And Mm -hmm. how crappy would it feel if they did this to me? So, yeah, there's challenges working with others, but we have fun and make it work. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely the way to be. And, you know, you can
1: always create another podcast if you feel the need to go professional or whatever and to to make money out of it. And, you know, think of it like you got a garage band. Like you could have a great garage band, but if you really want to be successful in the music industry, there's going to be some people in that band that are willing to go do what it takes and play the late-night gigs and suffer through misery and make it or at least try to make it, and some aren't. And that's okay. And that way you can preserve the relationship because that's the other thing i found is like – Man, you can really damage your relationship with a business if one party is a hundred percent all in and the other one isn't. Um, that's that's like that's bad juju, man.
2: <laughs> yes, agreed. Yep, totally.
1: Cool. So, um, how do you guys come up with topics? Like, I know how you came up with the the idea, the the, the macro, but like, okay, when you're thinking right. like, next week, what are we going to talk about? Like, how do you guys do that?
2: Um, just something you see on Facebook, like a meme, like, you know, conspiracy memes. They're, they're usually pretty good. If nothing else, they're just funny. Um, and then, you know, Netflix documentaries, some stupid video on YouTube. We've gotten some suggestions from friends, you know, things you're curious about yourself. Like, uh, we just recorded a, fl- a fluoride episode. Okay. Uh, and you know, you know, the whole fluoride conspiracy has been floating around forever, actually since the 40s, and I didn't know that. Um, so that was kind of interesting, and, like, so I wanted to learn more about that. And, you know, you just get excited to learn about new topics, Um and then, you know, you hear about things like, oh, the fi- like fixed sports. Well, wasn't there a guy in your podcast about, like, the fixes in or something like that a while back? Yeah, I, you know, there's – I do five a week, so <laughs> –
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: I, yeah. Maybe I have a better memory of it yeah, than you do. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Uh, oh, I guess it just stuck with me, I suppose. But yeah. so I we dove into you know fixed professional sports and you know working with friends. They'll you know dive into parts that maybe you didn't consider. So like I kind of focused on without like any you know talking about it. Just kind of go your own way. You know, find out what you want to find out about. I was on US Professional Sports then he comes in and talks about like how sumo wrestling is fixed. And I was like, I didn't even think about that. That's crazy. <laughs> like I don't know, it's just a odd odd thing just like out of left field like, oh, I forgot sumo wrestling was even a thing.
1: Yeah. But su- sumo wrestling's not real?
2: <laughs> That's the is conspiracy. That- oh, it's <laughs> so- a
1: conspiracy. Yeah. Uh- I don't know, why would you fake two fat guys trying to shove each other out of a circle?
2: Why would you fake
1: that? That's one of those, like, okay, you know what, now I have, like, you always say about a conspiracy theorist is, look, before you start telling me about your conspiracy, I want you to give me two conspiracies you don't believe, because if you believe them all, I don't believe anything you have to say about any of them, and like so that's going to be like my litmus test. Are you open to the fact that the conspiracy that sumo wrestling is as fake as WWE <laughs> is an inaccurate conspiracy theory? Because that's, that's a new one. I, I, I did not know that.
2: Sure. Yeah. So I thought you might bring that up. Uh, the conspiracy theories that I don't bring in, I'm going to give you three. Uh, okay. <laughs> living in a simulation, probably not true. Okay, uh, no. Flat Earth, definitely not true. And uh, pigeon drones, what? definitely not true. Pige- pigeon, pigeon drones. drones? I have not, you heard about this? I have not heard of pigeon drones, dude. You got to look up. Uh, Birds aren't real. And, oh shit! Uh,
1: I have seen that hashtag. Okay. Okay. I yeah. I, I thought it was a joke. I, I didn't. I I didn't know that people actually believed that was a valid thing. That that was
2: real. That that was you know. I am I, I did not know. I'm sure there's somebody out there that genuinely believes that. Birds aren't real.
1: Oh. All birds aren't real, not just pigeons.
2: Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but the pigeons are the drones. Okay. Yeah, they're good. the surveillance drones for the government.
1: But the cardinal is just a hologram to convince you that the pigeons real? Yes. Oh yes. It,
2: they got it they they gotta layer it now. Like there's too many people waking up that they gotta really sell it now. I mean they're Dumping billions into this. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta follow the money, man. I, uh, uh, I I
1: I don't even I don't even know what to say. I, when I thought I heard all the batshit <laughs> crazy that existed, um, yeah. So how'd your first episode go? That's usually your most difficult one to get through. Like you're trying to build chemistry and what have you. I know your friends and all, but it's different. Like because I notice, like I have people, like I have a rule. People are like, man, yeah. when I come by, we can do a podcast, you know, and I'll be a guest on your show. Like, no. Fill out the form. <laughs> we'll do the show across the Internet in different rooms with each other because, man, you put somebody in a chair, stick a microphone in front of them, you're having a fantastic conversation and just, Ugh! you know, and then oh are yeah. talking real quiet like this, and you can't. like. And it's like you're pointing at the audio line going, look, that's what you look like that you can't be heard. Right. I even had one good friend who wanted to be on the show that way and we did it. And I freaking turned off the recording and then started talking to him and then turned it back on without them knowing it. Got to the end and they're like, okay, so now I guess, you know, we rehearsed it. We can go through. I'm like, no, you just did it. And they were, (laughs) they were great as soon as they didn't know. Right. As soon as they didn't know, they were fantastic.
2: You're like a podcasting ninja.
1: Yeah, sometimes you gotta pull stuff like that. Very sneaky. But how was y'all's first episode,
2: dude? It sucked so bad. (laughs) I I wrote. I basically wrote a script for the things that I wanted to say, and I don't know if I heard it here or where I heard it, but there was an anchor telling another anchor like, "Don't read the news. You gotta deliver the news." Mm. And it's. um, I I find that like a lot of truth in that. I mean, I was really nervous. I said um and ah a lot. I, I probably still do here and there, but it's definitely not as much as... Um oh, see, there it is again. Uh, not as much as the first time. We had connectivity issues. There was a different way we were recording at first, and we actually re-recorded the first episode. It sucked so bad. And it's it's better than it was. And I if I go back and listen to... That very first recording, I cringe so hard. Hmm. Not that I'm like, you know, a whole lot better now, but I've come a long way. And, uh, like, you just, like, oh, wow, this, like, I can't believe this was even worth, like, the megabytes on my computer to to have and to store. It just was, it was that bad. So, you know, it's always, yeah, right? I'm really selling it.
1: Well, hell, you know, people might um, just, like, people like train wrecks. I mean. That's true. They do. They, they might show up just to see how bad bad really is. I, I tell people, if you want to see bad or hear bad, go go listen to the very first ever episode of TSP. Because it, it wasn't bad that way, but it was bad in its own way. I mean, I had a recorder laying in my lap. Sure, right, yeah. and it was like a, one of those like multi function it was like a camera, an m p three recorder, like a thing you got at Best Buy back then for like you know forty bucks that did like a hundred things, which meant it actually sucked at everything that it did <laughs> but it was what i had and, and you know it's kind of how I started out, and I think like you you have to get through that, and it just seems like you'd probably have more of it because. If you watch a TV show that you really love, like a series, like, and I'll give away one of mine that has nothing to do with TSP or prepping, and it's kind of stupid, but uh, Friends. My wife and I love the old show Friends, right?
2: Sure. And
1: you watch that, and those actors have such chemistry with each other. They're like, it was perfectly cast. You go watch the first episode, and these are professionals that work their whole life to be actors, right? Yeah. And they don't have the chemistry Hmm. they just don't have it it's just not there and so it's interesting to me that you know we expect i think sometimes of ourselves we go out and we do something like a podcast that we're just because we know each other we're going to have that chemistry like the chemistry on air is something you have to develop over time
2: oh definitely yeah
1: and i'm gonna go out on a limb and totally guess here but based on my experience i think that like if, like, you and your buds want to do this, like, getting together in a garage is probably the worst idea. <laughs> I think it's easier to have chemistry over the air with people that you're just talking to a microphone with. That That's – Sure. You know, because yeah. you don't have this stiffness or this need to try to sound like you're on the radio. You know, like, don't do that shit. Just be who you are. If people wanted you to sound like you're on the radio, they'd be listening to radio.
2: Right, yeah, definitely, and you know it might be too. I don't, if you get together in person, I, I guess I haven't looked into this, but maybe get too more like too much like a frat boy kind of thing, where like yeah. whatever you're doing is too is just funny to you because yeah. you can see each other, yeah. Instead of like, okay, this isn't good for audio. No one can tell what you're doing, yeah, or why that's funny. Or anything like that.
1: I have kind of gotten a feeling doing uh, unloose the goose because we do that with a video live video stream. Being sure. able to see each other actually is helpful. You just have to remember that yeah, when you're doing something with your hands or something, nobody can see it. And like one of the ways we compensate for that, we'll say like for those on on the audio only, you know, I know you can't see this or whatever, and we try to minimize that. But it does help to see each other because you can see like oh, your butt is like. Flaking out, man. Like he he he's, he's bored. Uh, if your buddy's yeah. bored, your audience is bored. Or instead of cutting each other off, you know, the ability to kind of raise your hand, you know, you guys cue in on each other, and I, I it's it's worked really well. I don't know if I'll ever do TSP that way. Um, right. It's enough of a struggle bringing a guest on like that never used Skype in their life or whatever, and now you want them to have a microphone and a Zoom lens and you know something you know, a camera. But it's getting to the point where like everybody kind of has that anyway. And I yeah. am thinking about, like, I'm behind the times. Like, every professional podcaster I know today uses Zoom, and I'm still using Skype in a recording program. So I, I yeah, you know, <laughs> that's what yeah, happens when working. you've been doing stuff that's since you know, 2008, right? You know, like, you just kind of right. stick with what works.
2: Which is why I kind of wanted to come on and, like, you know, kind of have this chat with you. You know, like, a lot's changed yeah, in that is. time. And so the things that you're using and the, you know, tools you're using to build up your podcast isn't necessarily what someone's going to be using starting today. And so I thought we could get that, you know, that broad spectrum where you're a professional podcaster and here I am sitting in my unfinished basement, you know, (laughs) on like – Like a patio table, my microphone is is sitting on an upside down flower pot, so I can get it uh, up high enough. So I can up high enough, so I'm, you know, it's at my mouth and it's not, you know, down low and it's catching all my breathing. I don't, you know, you don't. You need to learn little tricks like that to get better audio quality. Gotcha, gotcha.
1: So, um, if you do a podcast and you don't have an audience, then you're just people talking. Right. you like, yes. the, the Audience is everything. Uh, what are you guys doing to build your audience? I mean, because like when I started, it was it was easier than it is today. I'll be the first to acknowledge that there was a lot of first mover advantage in any niche. A lot of niches that had a lot of interest had podcasts, but they were like there were three episodes. They had been recorded for over four months and there hadn't been another one for like a year. And then yeah. you're like, but there's enough of them that I'll start listening to this guys and this guys and this guys. And you, and you bring it on and you know, you're doing preparedness and you, you listen to this podcast. It's like, it's very important to store water. Water <laughs> is li-. – you're like, oh, I'm going to kill this, right? You're like, yes. I am going to like, – I'm a professional speaker. I'm going to crush this. Like today – so if you got into a good niche that was underserved, being in iTunes back then – I did some other marketing things, but those – Three things: get in a niche that's underserved, be good and be frequent, and you would get some level of an audience, and you could use that audience to build the audience. Like because then you had people that were like dedicated to you, and they you know you get a couple of your true fans, a couple dozen yeah. true fans, and all of a sudden you're in every forum, you're everywhere, and you're not. You're not spamming the forum because if you go to somebody's forum and we don't even use like that shows you how old that is. Nobody uses freaking forums anymore right. except maybe permies, right? Like all the forums are dead. Everything's <laughs> social media. But you want people to share your content. You don't want to be the one doing all the sharing because then you're just self promoting. And today it's harder. So what are you guys doing to build that that base of an audience?
2: Yeah, I mean, you talk to like first off you know, like family and friends or whatever. Like, hey, I started a podcast. You're like, that's nice. Yeah, no one. No one cares. No one cares. Like, no one cares. Yeah. yeah. they don't, You can't get people to give you the time of the day to even give like feedback or constructive criticism, like even friends that I thought like, hey, you know, you know, all these the all these guys or whatever. You've met them. We've hung out. You know, this. We, we're talking about this and. They, even they they'll listen to like an episode or two and they'll just fall off the bandwagon like not not even a bandwagon like there is no even wheels on this wagon um you know trying to just get constructive criticism so that's hard um in that 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 way but you know i'm posting on like our facebook me and parlor groups just but i think i um i kind of I've got a little conspiracy here that that uh, I think because there's conspiracy in the name that Facebook is suppressing uh, anything that I post because uh, I don't I don't have any like I'll do some hashtags uh, here and there but overall we haven't gotten like any member um, requests there even though I I put it in the notes every single episode um like i can see in the analytics that you know people are listening i think like they could be russian bots i'm not sure um but you know we made a promo for people to listen to cuz uh let's see a couple of weeks ago you were talking about why businesses fail and like you got to tell your story mm-hmm. and i'm like shit what's our story i don't really know <laughs> and so that day or the next day, I wrote up like a little script, you know, Hey, come check us out, whatever, whatever. And we tried to record it our, ourselves. It, it, it worked, but it didn't really have the right tone. It didn't grab you. And so I, uh, kind of restructured the script a little bit, threw it up on Fiverr. Um, and I, for 35 bucks, I had someone, uh, get me like this nice quality promo to that I have stickied. On the, um, on the front of the website. So people can just go there, hit play and be like, yeah, I could be into this or like, wow, that sucks. And then like, never mind. <laughs> so, um, you could do a little promo. I thought I want to go into like breaking out segments of the show to share, uh, on YouTube. So there's a, there's a podcast that I used to listen to, um, that they have. These little animated adventures. So someone would, I think it's from someone from the audience that they take a little segment from their episode and make it like a little cartoon. And so the,
1: is is that Brian Black's ridiculous dialogue? No, what no. I'm
2: talking about is um. The no, I'm just saying he used to have these oh, okay. cartoons
1: drawn up, and I, it sounded similar, but I didn't think he had gone to do an animated things, but like they were doing a podcast called Ridiculous Dialogue from uh, the guys at ITS. And they were having, like – it was a really cool thing. They would have, like, a four-panel comic strip, like, professionally okay. drawn. And I thought maybe they were who did this. But, okay, it wasn't them. Um, yeah.
2: Um, the, the If you search RTAA, Rooster Teeth Animated Adventures, like, Dolphin, it will show up on YouTube. So, basically, they have this, this segment on – on their podcast where just this one specific episode where there was a government funded program to see if dolphins could talk like to make them talk. And they ended up giving it LSD and all this other stuff. (laughs) And so if you just stumble across that, like just randomly browsing YouTube, you're like, Hey, I could maybe give these guys a listen. That's kind of what I want to get, get some of our content on YouTube. Like that reason. Um we've got merch on using Printful which is kind of like fulfilled by Amazon but for merchandise and so like you um you know designer t-shirts, stickers, mugs, whatever and there's WordPress integration there um but right now like they're limited to access to like their materials like you know every industry right now is just struggling to get yeah. materials so yeah. like I'm an electrician. We can't like certain things like it's hard to get copper for this or that, or Mm -hmm. like, you know, certain breakers that we're trying to get, there's like 16 weeks out. And it's not even that uncommon of a thing to have because one little thing in the supply line had to look a little hitch or whatever. And so, um, that's, I mean, you know, you have to, you're limited to what, you know, they can get on order. And then I had an idea Uh, a couple days ago that I hadn't run by the guys yet, but, um, have like sell on the website, maybe like a casual conspiracy crate for like people to give. And it would have like aluminum foil in it, uh, fluoride free toothpaste, like uh, a flat earth watch, maybe a gift card to comet ping pong pizza and vaxxed on DVD, like, just kind of like a couple little things that, like, are conspiracy-related. I don't know. if That like, actually,
1: hey. I see, that's actually, I think, a good idea, because we all have an uncle who's, like, a super conspiracy buff or whatever. Yeah. Like, I think that would be a very seasonal sale. Like, that would be, like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give Uncle Bill this for Christmas or whatever, you know. I think you're breaking out content for YouTube is a great idea. It's one of those things I've never done enough of it. It you is, you've, you've put all this effort into this content, taking this segment and putting it out there in, like, three to four minutes or less because people will give their attention to that that don't already know you. Like, it's great to put out a 25-minute yes. video for people that know and love you, but, like, somebody who doesn't know, who is this clown Jack Spirico? He's an idiot. He's a duck-farming idiot. Like, screw I'm not listening to 25 minutes of this dude. Um, and if you look at it, the best podcasters in the world do it consistently. Probably the most successful podcaster out there is Joe Rogan. People are like, you have like the biggest pod. I have shit. Compared to Joe Rogan, I am not worthy to tie his boots as a podcaster, (laughs) right? Like, I think I'm as good, but I'm not as, on a success level, I'm not even in the same room. I'm not in the same building. I'm like at the back of the parking lot. Joe's in the penthouse of the building. And, but he has a staff. And every show, they break out almost the entire show into segments and then republish all of that three hours into ten minutes here, eleven minutes there, because they know when somebody's like, Man, I want to tell my brother about vitamin D and the chick's on talking about vitamin D, they're not gonna listen to three hours of Joe Rogan to hear about oh. vitamin D. But if you send them just this like eleven minute segment, they'll listen to the first two minutes and if it's compelling, they'll listen to the rest. And I think that's yeah. that's I you know, someday I need to hire an assistant to do shit like that because I don't have time. I'm done. I'm I'm, my bandwidth is gone, and I say that and people are like, "Well, oh, you can get more hosting." Like, no, I don't mean my freaking physical bandwidth. I mean my mental bandwidth, my right. labor bandwidth is done. I'm done. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great tactic.
2: Yeah, it would just take one. I don't have like that kind of experience. It, obviously, it's things you can learn, but there's so many other things I want to do with my time that I just don't have the, like, I'll, I'll pay someone else to do it. I don't really care if that's, yeah. I'll maybe try it once or twice, you know, see how it goes. It gets a couple hits, you know, do, do more of that. And, um, yeah, I just let, let someone who knows what they're doing, do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you, the, the challenge with all that is always some of the people who've offered to help me, like I've had people like, I'll do your editing of your, like the whole podcast for me. And I'm like, Do you know it would take me more time to make that material available to you and tell you what I want it done than it takes me to do it? I I literally take five minutes of effort to edit a podcast once it's done. Sure. It it, it takes longer for Sony Vegas to spit out the file than it does for me because I don't really do any editing. So if I started wanting to take segments, then it's going to be like, I still have to figure out where the breakpoints are, what I want. Like You need somebody that's like so... Like you need somebody that's like a super fan and good, to where like they're gonna listen to the whole thing anyway, and they're gonna sit there with a notebook next to them while they're you know doing their gardening yeah. or whatever, and stop and go wait a minute this is a great let me back that up that starts at five fifteen, and then when it ends stop okay and at seven thirty and then they're gonna later go do that, and I think that's the only way other than you saying I want this piece done because it's not really hard it's just it's time consuming.
2: Yeah. They almost need to do it for fun, which is why I think um, that that podcast Rooster Teeth has an advantage, is because they have such a large fan base yeah. that someone just started doing it for fun because they wanted to, and then obviously <laughs> they were smart and be like, yeah, we'll give it its own channel, and yeah. you know they have all the content there, and I don't know if that person ever like gets like compensated for that, maybe, maybe not, I don't know, but yeah. you know for Someone like us, like my little, yeah. little group, we're gonna have to pay someone to do it. Cause see, I'm no thinking what I could do. do. You're
1: giving me a great idea. Like, I got a big enough audience of people that like to do shit like this. I could do like, okay, so this week you figure out what you want to do. Next week you submit. 'Cause I want it on my channel, right? That's why I would yeah. do this. So like you have like either I give them the ability to upload content to the channel or something, and I think I can do that where they can upload it but they can't make it live so I can check it first. And then like on wow. Mon like next Monday, I make all the segments live, and then whoever gets the most views by the end of the week, because they did the best job with it or whatever, um, gets, you know, fifty dollars in Bitcoin. That would be oh, like a yeah. cool way to like to, to, like to make it a contest. And you, of course, you get to say, you know, video edited by, you know, at the beginning and the end or something like that.
2: Right. They get credit
1: for yeah. sure. Yeah. Or even do it like a monthly thing, like a monthly and do like, you know, first, second, and third place, like 200, 150, 50 bucks. And then do it all in Bitcoin to be all agorist about it. And like, there's no money. I don't know what you're talking about. What money? Yeah. It's not your yeah. money. I didn't see Caesar on the Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it sounds like more work though. It might be more work than doing it. It's crazy. Like you, you start doing that. Like maybe you have to limit it then. You have to say like you have to apply, do it, do a sample. And then like you have like a group of like six that do, you know, one a week or something or something like that. And I I don't Yeah, that could work. Yeah. That could work. You got to limit it, you know, or at least you got to apply before you get approved to be in the contest by, by doing one and showing me what you can do because yeah, like, you you're going to get somebody that's like a rock star that puts all kind of crazy shit in it and you're like, man, that must have took hours and the guy's like, nah, 15 minutes
2: because there yeah. are
1: people like that, you know
2: right, you know, some people just struggle along the way and other people just can do it in their sleep, you know um, but it might be worth trying at least once, yeah, just to see how it goes and if it, you know, didn't go well well, it just doesn't get published
1: Yeah, or if it it, it gets published but it doesn't do a lot for you, then you just don't keep doing it, I mean, that's yeah, yeah, that too. How, how did you like? You guys actually made this thing into a legal entity of its own. So even though it's kind of a side thing, you, you, you've taken it that serious. How'd you do that? Why'd you do that? What have you?
2: Uh, so we had like a little little meeting, uh, casually, obviously, uh, after ten episodes, uh, wanting to build a bigger audience, and for PayPal, you need yeah. to have a bank account to accept PayPal payments. Sure, and. I talked to my tax attorney CPA and they're like, you know, I wanted to keep it separate from my personal PayPal account. Sure. And so I was like, whatever, I'll just go do it. And, you know, it, that also allows me to practice that 90% of the tax, to, tax code that you talk about. So like, like at my house, we lose power for a couple hours once a month, every other month about. Well, guess what? I can't run my business without power to my house. Mm -hmm. And so I can, I bought a generator and that's going in the folder where I can bring that to my tax, uh, to my CPA next year. And, you know, that Fiverr promo that I paid for, that'll also go in that folder to like, hey, this is marketing material or whatever. So I was going to do that anyways. And then (laughs) another thing, uh, to, uh, to test flat Earth theory, uh, you can use a spotting scope. Well, it's also convenient that I can use it hunting too. So. Did I lose you there? Nope, I'm still here. Okay, it sounded I like kind of dropped I trailed, Nope, sorry, I trailed off, trailed off a little okay. bit. Okay. Well, so you were talking about this scope to test the f- curvature of the Earth or whatever? yeah I mean just a, it's just a spotting scope from Athlon you know that yeah. you'd use at the range, so if it you know if you can also somehow measure the curvature of the earth and either prove or disprove it, that would also be something that I could write off um I love on the business
1: that. yeah, I love all that because the the whole point of having especially if you're not going to pay all your bills with a side hustle bill business is to take a great deal of things. That you would probably spend money on anyway, and change them from um, money that you spend to an expense that you have.
2: Exactly. Right.
1: And once you have it as an expense, now it backfeeds through the business across the income spectrum. And like y'all's only issue now is, so technically, if you if you have a business and your guys are partners in it, that expense spreads across the three of y'all. But you can handle that You're, you talk to your attorney about this or your, I mean your CPA about this that basically it's called a K3 or a K1 or something like that form that uh, an LLP or an LLC will do at the end that assigns the income to the individual. and so since you had the expense, basically the business reimburses you in theory and then it p- p- passes through to your share of the income. So you since you bore the full f- expense, you get the benefit of the full expense, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's kind of technical. So, but-
2: I I talked to her about this, like, hey, one's in Minnesota, I'm in Montana, the other guys in Washington. She's like, that would be a tax nightmare. Please do not do that to me.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <And> so So
2: <laughs> uh, so I it's just a sole proprietor. Oh, LLC. okay. So you so, have an entity. Yeah, it's but- all me.
1: But it's all. Oh, I love now. Nah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, they can make their own entity if they want to, and then the entity can have the partnership with the other entity. That is the clean
2: way to do it for sure.
1: I, yeah, I just didn't understand. I, Good on you for doing that. That's that's great.
2: <laughs> so I, I told them, you know, if we actually make any money doing this, I can like give you out. like. Yeah, we'll work it out, you know, just spitballing, you know, up to $600 for like a speaking fee or a gift or whatever you want to call it so it doesn't get taxed.
1: Well, Or what you do is if you make enough money to where distributing it is going to create a tax consequence, you make them contractors to your entity. You pay them and you 1099 them, and then it's clean.
2: Yeah, I think she did mention that.
1: Yeah, that it's just clean. There's nothing – there's nothing complicated about it once you do that right then it's then it's it's very clean they're contractors to the organization the less oversight you have of a contractor like what did they do to earn their money the better because then yes. they, they start trying to push you well are they an employee should you be giving them benefits well no they do whatever the hell they want to do you know they I I, I bonus them out as a contribution to the revenue 10.99 yes. done gone. And then um, you're going to pay tax on the income. So you need to expense the income on the outflow or you're going to pay tax on the income. Right. Right. So if, if I'm giving my partners a grand each a quarter, I want to, I want to expense that out somehow. And that's, that's the clean way to do that.
2: Yeah. I used to be um, a subcontractor um, for, you know, just construction. And every year I had to write a letter to The general contractor, for his tax purposes, saying that I'm a subcontractor, I'm not an employee, I don't have any employees, leave me alone. Yeah, yeah, I understand that completely.
1: Um, So do you have any plans to eventually – like do you have any plans to like try to make this a big thing and quit your job or is this just a side hustle? I mean where are you going with this?
2: Um, absolutely no plans to quit my job and go pro. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, even like a bi weekly podcast, it's a lot more work than I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be. Um, especially like, I'm not sure you, I, we kind of touched on this earlier and I'm not sure you can run a conspiracy show full time without checking yourself into a facility, <laughs> you know, Alex Jones, go full Harris. And then it's not casual anymore. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. It's just, it'd be hard to do, um, just sanity wise. I don't know. So, like a couple of weeks ago, some guy had called into your show talking about, you know, the fall of Cabal or something, some, some YouTube video. Yeah. And I tried watching that. Oh, uh, it was awful. I, dude, I got 20 minutes in and I just couldn't take it anymore. Even though every, it's some New Zealand lady just learning how to use PowerPoint is what it looked like to me.
3: Yeah.
2: And like, it's just, I could not get through it. Even if everything that she was saying was interesting, it was so poorly done, I couldn't buy into it. But then you go into, uh, what the heck was, uh, out of shadows. I don't know if you saw that one. No. It was, it's about satanic cult in Hollywood. Okay. And it's by a, the, the guy who produced it, he's a, uh, a Christian from like Australia or something like that. And which, you know, not a big deal, but you know, he's talking about satanic cult in Hollywood. But it was so well done, I was completely like, you know, headfirst into this conspiracy theory, like, whoa, this is crazy. But I had to go back, check myself before I wreck myself, <laughs> and and like, you know, try to disprove some of these things. And like, you know, what I think a lot of people have an issue with is like they want to know more they want to know more so they're only looking for the one side we're like to prove satanic cults in hollywood yeah yeah. whereas i'm trying to disprove it and i think mentally that helped me a lot otherwise i would have like i don't know my wife would have had to like old yeller me or something like that out in the yard and just like
1: you're done Uh, uh, sorry, son. We have to shoot your dad now. He's, uh, he's, yep. he's gone to the bad place and he's not coming back. He's yeah. Gone. I, I, I can see that. That one you mentioned, we actually, my wife and I watched the entire thing. It was awful. It, it got worse and worse and it went into like drinking blood and eating babies and all these things Mel Gibson, <laughs> Mel Gibson supposedly said. So you're like, okay, that's, it. so I, whenever I look at one of those things, I'm always like, I'm going to take the most extreme claims and try to verify them. Oh. Alright. The most extreme claims are either either going to probably prove the whole thing to be well done and well sourced or to not be worthy of things. So you you go check this out and like well there's no record anywhere that Mel Gibson said this other than people saying that Mel Gibson said this. And Mel Gibson and his publicist come back and go, I don't know where the hell this shit's from. I we didn't say this and of course it are like man they threatened to kill him oh okay that's what it is you know <laughs> and, and, and there was like a there was like four claims in there that were all really out there claims and all four of them were easy to disprove i
2: mean they yeah. were just
1: like one was supposedly there's actually a restaurant in LA where you can actually go eat human flesh
2: oh yeah it's on uh, it's on google maps they i think they're michelin star rated too which is Really amazing. Good yeah, for them.
1: It's it. There's not. There's no restaurant. There's no place. There's a. There is a parody website from like 2009 that somebody put together that is this place. There is no place. There you can't contact them, get a reservation. You, no one has a picture of the actual. Like somebody did this as a a, a very well done trolling job, and so that makes it into yeah. the the documentary as though it's factual. And if you looked at that, yeah, it was – she's actually Dutch, believe it or not. She sounds British or – Oh, German, okay. Right. But she's supposedly Dutch, and it does look like somebody learning to use PowerPoint. <laughs> that's a good way to put it, and screen capture. Um, yeah. But it, a lot of work went into it. A lot of work went into it. So like you don't put that much work into something and include something that's that big a blunder if you were serious about trying to be accurate in the first place. That's true because it's 3 hours long. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah. It don't waste your time. I watched it so you all don't have to. Don't. It's not good. Um, and of course what made it take off was YouTube banning it.
2: Oh right? yeah, when same YouTube, with Out of Shadows, yeah. Yeah,
1: like uh, these things don't ban them, don't block them because that immediately gives them credibility. Like it, it's amazing to me that, that these big entities are It's one thing when they ban something that you can look at it and go, okay, like, that was racist as shit. (laughs) Right? Like, that was just, like, it was pure, visceral, racial hatred. Okay, I get it. Like, you have a moral objection to that. Some idiot that's trying to prove the earth is flat or whatever, like, don't ban that. Like, just, like, have a dialogue and, 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 and disprove it. Now... I've gotten into all the alternative social media now, like Gab and, and Parler and stuff, and yeah. I'm finding there's a shitload of racists over there. There really are. And at first, it really bugged me. And my other thought was, but haven't you always been the one who said let them show themselves? Right. Like, so when I see a person like you know that, that's blatantly racist, block. And then I just don't have anything to do with that person ever again. And I actually prefer it to like what Facebook does with like banning people for that because it's like, well then. I have friends and close associates maybe that I develop a relationship online with over time that are actually racist. I don't want that relationship because that relationship can come back to hurt me somewhere down the road. I would prefer to yeah. know. I'd prefer you to show your ass. Then I can get rid of you and let people handle that their own way. And I don't understand why a lot of these, um, these big media platforms haven't just said you have a block function. If you don't want to see it, don't look at it. But that's because they have no stones, man. I, You know, because even me, I was like, man, I, do I really want to be on Gab? Because, like, all of a sudden, right. all these – these, and, like, I don't follow this person. Why am I seeing their shit? You know, and then I was like, wait a minute, block, block, block. And all of a sudden, like, well, there's not
2: so much of a problem here anymore. And Yeah, you don't – um you don't want to be like guilty by association either like oh Spear Spierko's over on Gab he must yeah. be a racist. Mu- well and they'll, they'll say that anyway right because that's that's everybody that's
1: involved with anything that they don't like is now a racist a xenophobe a right wing conspiracy you know visceral hatred and and 20 other ist names they can put on you because well that's all that is and it's like well that's 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 insane that's its own conspiracy theory. Maybe that's one of the things y'all could do: is the, uh, the conspiracy theories that aren't conspiracy theories.
2: Yeah, we um, we do a little segment at the end of every episode where we go around and make up uh, our own conspiracy mm. theories, and some of them are just like stupid, and some of them have like a little bit of truth to them, or you know, um, something like that. But th- that could be like some of the segments that we put on YouTube in the future. But what you got me thinking about what you just said about you know people, you know, like the, like Facebook or whatever, just banning these people instead of just telling people to block them, it might be the same type of people that you know are fed up with government and then clamor for more government, like fix the problem, fix the problem. You know, why aren't you doing anything?
1: Or, or like the the anti police protesters who as soon as they got shot in the face and the ass and the arm, scream, yeah. police come help me, police come help me. Yeah, it's amazing. Help. Down with the police. To hell with the police. Police help us. I mean, it's
2: – Yep. Yeah, yeah I, I saw – I was watching the videos yesterday about the Wisconsin thing, and I was like, wow, what a mess. I don't even want to go there. I don't know if
1: you've heard yet, but so the three guys that that dude shot, one, he shot in the head. And that was the initial one. And I've just gotten some breaking stuff while we're on here, a video that shows, you know, like the the whole Star Trek thing. You know, Han shot first. Well, BLM shot first, right? So actually, before he even shot that dude, somebody shot at him.
2: There's a muzzle flash
1: from a pistol, and then the AR goes off. And that's the first shooting. a lot of people haven't seen that one. And the the tapes are on that. And that's after he shot that guy. He takes off. He called 911. He calls it in and says, I just shot somebody. I think I killed him. And then they came after him. They started beating on him. He shot the other two, one in the chest, and one he blew the baseball-sized hole in his bicep. And Dang. And um, turns out the guy he shot in the head, uh, convicted pedophile. I did see that, too. The guy that he shot in the chest was convicted over ten times of domestic violence and beating his wife, uh, including charges like wrongful imprisonment, so basically kidnapping your own wife, not letting her leave when she wants to leave, choking her, shit like that. And the guy that's whose bicep, he blew like half his arm off. Um, that dude had a gun. He said it was a cell phone when he, you know, police came. And sure of it. But there's video that he's holding. You can even say, oh, "Okay, that's a Glock. So he's, yeah. he's got it. Well, he was a convicted felon. So it was illegal for him to have the gun in the first place. So this guy got like a trifecta. He got a pedo in the head. He got a wife beater in the chest. And he blew the arm off a guy trying to shoot him with a gun that the guy wasn't supposed to have. This dude needs a medal, in my opinion. So <laughs> now I've I've, I've yep. stayed quiet on it till I've gotten more information, but at this point I think I have enough information to say at least a little bit on it. That's for those wondering about that. That's that's what I've gotten so far today. <laughs> anyway, that has yeah, nothing well, to do with the casual conspiracy podcast. So, do you want to tell people here at the end like how they can find you, hook up with you, learn more about you, listen to your show?
2: Yeah, so uh, I'm pretty vanilla when it comes to casual, uh, like conspiracy theories like so far. So for those that know any conspiracy theories, we'd love to hear from you. Okay. And for those that want to dip their toe in the water, please check us out. If you hated listening to me, well, lucky for you, I'm not the only host on the show. <laughs> the other guys are the real MVP, casualconspiracypodcast.com.
1: And you've also got some social media stuff. You've got a Facebook group, a MeWe group, and you guys are on Parler. I will make sure that those links are in the show notes for people Thank you. to uh, hook up with you. And and Matt, with that, thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Jack. Love being here. So we, we talked a little bit uh, about the shooter in Kenosha. Uh, and what I, I wanted to kind of put a little bonus content here at the end, make up for not being here yesterday maybe or just – because it came up. Um, I I do believe at this point that this kid probably, when I say probably, I'm saying 95% my gut is, was justified in shooting all three people that he shot. Probably. I watched a video with the audio off while I was doing that interview of some breaking stuff that had just come in. I shared it on, on all the social media platforms I'm on now, Gab and Parler and MeWe. That sure as hell looks like somebody took a shot at him with a handgun before he shot the first person. Now, whether it was the person that got shot or not, I'm not sure. Okay. Um, it does look like it vets out that the dude that got shot first in the head was a pedophile, a convicted pedophile. Uh, it looks like the dude that got shot in the chest was a a wife-beating shitbag, and we're not talking about somebody that had the cops called on him because they got in a shouting match. We're talking about a guy that choked his wife, like, tried to choke the life out of her, that held her against her will in her home. Like, this went on multiple times, uh, convicted. Now, when I say ten counts, I mean ten different individual times that he was actually convicted on charges of doing things like this. Uh, it looks like the pedophile dude may have, may have, I'm not sure yet, one death, I know, I've seen the rap sheet. Um, and the charge and the conviction and everything. But it looks like it might have been two separate charges of of uh, uh, basically child rape. And the dude that got shot in the arm absolutely had been con- convicted as a felony, should not have had a gun on him by the terms of his release, and was at a riot with a gun. And, and in the video, clearly points it at the guy who's on the ground with the gun, who then blows a hole through his arm. Um, AR-15 at close range in an extremity is a nasty wound. And it—it's if you've seen the pictures of it, most of the pictures floating around are from an angle where you're looking at it from the front and it doesn't as bad as it looks, it's worse. If you see the video and don't watch it if you can't stomach things like this, it literally blew a hole through his arm that looks like he could probably shove a baseball through. It fit tight, but it would go through. Um this is horrific, but it's also what happens. I've been saying that leave us alone is gonna turn into F around and find out. And I think what I really want you all to understand is that this isn't over, and I don't mean the riots as a whole aren't over. I mean this individual incident and what it's going to cause is not over. It's not just two dudes are dead, one dude's going to probably lose his arm, and other young man is in, in jail right now and facing a murder charge. I don't think you're going to get a murder conviction on this kid. I think they're going to have a lot of different moving parts to here. There's a couple things you need to understand about this, Before you make a decision And nobody that's involved in the rioting On either side that's going to come from this Is going to pay attention to this And and the first is This man was 17 years old He's a boy And if it were up to me A 17 year old um, At least with parental consent Would be able to own a gun 17 is an age where you can enter service In the United States military uh, And be killed And be shot In the service of your country you can, I joined the Army at 17. But by the state he lives in law, he should not be in possession on his own of an AR-15 or firearm of any kind until he's 18 years of age. Now, if you're hunting, you're targeting whatever, kids with guns, and I, this is not my opinion, this is the law. He was in illegal possession of a weapon. Had he not been there <clears throat> possessing that, that weapon illegally, those three scumbags wouldn't have got shot, two of them wouldn't be dead. I mean, who doesn't want to see a pedophile get shot in the head? But they're still citizens, they were still released, they were not, you know, in, in, they didn't escape jail or something like that, and they're entitled to, under our system of law, certain protections. You can't just go shooting people because they're a pedophile, even if it sounds like a good idea. Under the law, and again, it's not Jack Spear's opinion, I'm, Fine with if you absolutely know the person's a pedophile, shooting every pedophile that exists. I'm, that's my opinion versus the law, right? So there is a good argument from prosecution that even if the shooting was justified, it could be something to the form of a negligent uh, homicide, a manslaughter, something like that, uh, and, a, and certainly an aggravated assault or hire on the guy who got shot in the arm because he put himself in a position illegally with a gun. He had the gun, he was not supposed to, and he was there. And he willingly went there under those circumstances, and he knew what he was doing when he did it. And so you've got that making a mess. And then you have both sides of this are now convinced. You've got the the, the, the people that are doing all the rioting, and the people supporting the riots as peaceful protesters... And the people supporting these peaceful protesters and ignoring the riots, and that whole side convinced that this kid is like a white supremacist Nazi that just went out and shot three people. Doesn't matter, there's a video of one of the guys he shot beating him in the head from the ground with a skateboard. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter that the guy that he shot in the arm pointed a gun directly at him and he shot him when he pointed the gun at him. Doesn't matter. They're convinced. They're convinced. That he was just a white supremacist. Those guys went after him because he shot somebody else. Don't you understand that? That's that's it doesn't matter that there's a video of somebody shooting at him first. They're convinced they're right. Again, don't argue it, understand it. Don't say, but Jack, you know I understand what you're saying, but I'm saying you got one side convinced that a neo-Nazi went out and shot a bunch of people because he hated black people. I know it didn't happen, but you got that convinced. The other side, you've got a whole shitload of people armed agitated, pissed off people that have been saying this is going to happen not only convinced that this kid acted in self-defense, but he's literally a saint and that he's being unfairly targeted and I just covered this Monday or Tuesday on Tuesday's show I said, get out of the cities get out of the city." I said that again and I said, you're going to get a flashpoint and then you're going to end up where once it happens it's going to happen again And it's going to happen again. And if the police and the military and the government won't stop it, then eventually you're going to have skirmishes and a full-blown conflict on both sides being armed. You just saw the first shots in that war fire. And it's weird to me that I said it Tuesday afternoon and it happened Tuesday night. Like exactly the way that I said it would. And it's going to grow from here. And... I'm now convinced more than ever, conspiracy theory or not, the government doesn't want to stop this. Specifically, the left government doesn't want, the, the Democrats don't want to stop this, because what I just told you, I want you to look at it a little bit differently. I've got convicted felons in the middle of these riots. If the local police were simply up, oh, that guy picked up a brick. Go grab him and get his ID. They could be hauling people. You know, like, we arrested eighteen people. Oh, that's nice, right? Oh, that's nice for what criminal mischief or whatever. Like these are like these are people. You got so you got a guy. You know this guy was involved in shit, right? So you have enough to at least get his ID. And I know, well, as, as an anarchist, Jack, you should the cops should not be able to just say, "Give me your I'm under our law." With the tools they have, if they wanted to, please don't go off the rails here. And understand what I'm telling you, I'm judging their system by their rules and what they have available for their tools to stop this. And I won't explain that again, and if you don't understand that, I get hate mail from you But I'm not a real anarchist, I'm going to tell you to go screw yourself in the ass with a cheese grater. I'm not going to do this stupid shit with people. Okay? So, they have those tools available. Because if if, if I see you involved in anything that is illegal activity, such one rock at a window, one Molotov cocktail on your hand, you know, one baseball bat into it. I have right there as a law officer, I can go and grab your ass for that crime. And then I can say, I need because I saw you commit a crime, I need to know who you are, and you are detained, and you do have to tell me, and if you don't, I'm just going to take you to jail, and we're going to fingerprint you and find out. And by the way, you're going to jail anyway. Just how hard or how easy at this point is up to you. And you start paddy wagging people out of there. Well, as soon as you get that guy, what do you do? You frisk him. He's got a Glock on him. He's got a felony record. He's done. He's do- he's going to prison. Do you understand that? You got a guy that's beat and choked his wife. He's got a criminal record. He's not from Wisconsin. He's crossed a state line, and you have him committing riotous activity. You can charge him under federal law. Under federal law for crossing state lines to incite a riot, boom, off he goes. Right? You see how this works? There's enough going on that they could be hauling away three, four, five hundred people a night that aren't just being held overnight for you know disorderly conduct. Their existing records combined with their activity put them away for, you know, months to years. And they're not doing it. So I don't see that as like a conspiracy theory. I don't need Robert Shea and Robert Anton Wilson's help with this. This is willful allowance of destruction beyond what it even seems like. Beyond what it even seems like. And that means that there will be more instances of people saying, you know what, F it. You know what? F it. And you're going to see better organized civilian defense forces going in and saying, you're not destroying this place today. And instead of one kid walking around and another guy walking around over here, you're going to see a well-organized civilian militia-type organization. And sooner or later, there will be a far more like a Boston massacre than this was except it won't be troops firing on civilians. But what you what you had in this was before he shot anybody, he was being instigated to shoot something. There's a video of that too. Go ahead and shoot me. Go ahead, shoot me. And some words were used in there that I won't use. And eventually, what happened was some of those people effed around and found out, I have no sympathy for the two dead people. I have no sympathy for hole-in-the-armed man. I have no sympathy for any of those people. None. And the media lied to you again. Shocking, I know. They said he was a fugitive who finally turned himself in, the, the, the young man who did the shooting. No, this is a lie. I'll tell you exactly what happened. In, in, in almost real time, it went this way. He was shot at after being harassed and and chased and pushed and prodded, and he shot somebody in the frickin' head and leveled his ass, and karma dictated it was a convicted pedophile. He then hauled ass from there immediately, withdrew from the situation, called the police, 911, and said, I've just killed somebody. And he was going to the police at that moment to basically turn himself in and report what happened. He was then pursued and attacked. They they attempted to brutally beat him. And one guy hit him with a freaking skateboard in the head, which has been a common thing going on with these assholes, and bang, in the chest. And the guy made it, you know, he he was like a deer that kind of ran a little bit after he got shot, fell over, and died. Point black range in the chest. And then next asshole points a Glock at him, and bang, hole in the arm. Then he got up, backed away, turned around and walked hands overhead and turned himself into the police immediately. And you were lied to yet again. They want this to happen and that is very, very, very dangerous. And it's dangerous, it's a dangerous game for the government to play because there is nothing that builds contempt for a politician to the point where you will drag the politician into the street and and kill them and dismember them and leave their body for dogs to consume like when they do not protect their citizens. We hear all of this stuff about how hated Nero is for persecuting Christians. Remember the Emperor Nero? Let me tell you why Nero was despised. Because he didn't protect the people. That's why he got the worst death that could be given. And the worst treatment after death that could befall a Roman emperor or even a Roman citizen. Because he didn't protect the people. And when you do that, sooner or later, what you just saw is only the beginning. This is going to get worse. And I implore you to get out of these situations and do not insert yourself In these situations, the fact that I believe that this young man did the right thing for the right reasons in principle doesn't change that it was a very stupid, life altering decision that may result in him being incarcerated for a significant portion of his life. And it will not help. It will not help. One more time, it's not going to help. It will make this worse. And this is not over. This is a lot like this hurricane that just hit the coast. Usually, you're 50, 60 miles in from a hurricane, you get a thunderstorm. This one held together, it's now a tropical storm, and it's still nasty as shit, and it's already you know, ready to leave Louisiana. Except in this case, I want you to think of it like this. You just saw a hurricane hit. And when it made landfall, instead of beginning to break up and slow down, it intensifies. And it's moving very slow, and it started out a very small hurricane, small as it could be and be a hurricane. And it's very, very slowly, almost imperceptibly growing. This is the underlying horror of what we are about to be fallen by. The people behind this, the real people behind this, the people moving the chess pieces are timing this so it continues to get worse as we come up to the election. And it is either, like I've said before, throwing the election and leaving Trump and whatever Republicans take over with a mess that only gets worse going into a depression is a calculated plan for the long game, or the biggest miscalculation of all time. And both of them are bad. Get out, stay away, don't get involved. I know some of you are thinking, you know, we have to stand for something, we can't kneel. That's my words, stand, don't kneel. But pick your place to stand. Walking around kitted up with an AR in the middle of a riot in a city is not the place to pick the battle. Sun Tzu, right, Art of War, never fight a battle unless victory is assured. And that all starts with picking the time and the place of the battle. Get back and draw the line somewhere, significantly back from the initial engagement. Because that is where the greatest potential for victory lies. And it also is the place with the greatest potential to not have to enter the conflict. If there is to be conflict, it has to be won. And it has to be fought viciously, and it will not come without sacrifice. But if it can be avoided, it should be avoided. Sometimes these things burn themselves out, and I'll give you a little bit of hope for that at the end of the show today. Before I do, let me remind you, if you like the show and the work that we do, you can help support us by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com, T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. Um, remember, I did the show on Tuesday. I, I also talked about a lot of skills and mindsets and things like that. And one I said was herbal medicine. Um, quite a few of y'all picked up the herbal, Mace, herbal Medicine Makers Handbook after that episode. I realized, like, I probably haven't run this as an item of the day in a while, and I really need to. I'm not going to say a lot about it because I talked about it this week already, but I'll put it to you this way. If you said, Jack, for your library, you can have one book on herbs, only one, I would choose this book. And I would tell you that if you get this book and you read through it and you do the projects in it, you know, make a decoction, make a tincture, make a, a salve, et cetera, and you, you, you come from this fundamental basic understanding of herbs that, that the author, uh, James Green, uh, gives, it is like taking a very advanced cor- course, but that starts with the basics, So sort of from like a basics to advanced course in home-based herbal medicine. It will not make you into a master herbalist, or you know, a doctorate of, of botany or anything like that, you, but you don't need to be that. It will make you about as advanced as any home herbalist ever need be from just one book. Um, this is the best book. I If I find a better book on herbal medicines for the average person to start from scratch and become proficient with, I will bring it to you. Until then, I will continue to make, recommend this one. Again, the Herbal Medicine Makers Handbook by James Green. You can find it at tspaz.com or the survivalpodcast.com. And whenever you go to tspaz.com before you shop online, you help support us in the work that we do. And let me remind you, uh, if you want to make sure you stay abreast of everything going on in the TSP universe and a lot of stuff that doesn't get on the air, and you don't ever miss something like this. You don't have to write it down and remember to go check it out. Just get on the Daily Mail. Go to the survivalpodcast.com Click on Daily Mail. Fill out two, it's two lines of a form, name and email. It's all you need. And every day you'll get an email. It's a very basic, uh, there's no HTML or anything in it. It's a basic text only email. Uh, click the links you're interested in. Delete the damn thing and don't read it that day. Click the link to unsubscribe anytime you want to. No one will ever share your information or get your information. Check it out today again, the Herbal Medicine Makers Handbook by James Green, and it is an amazing, amazing book. With that, let's talk about our song of the day. I, I actually thought about doing something a little bit fun and playing a song for you like the X-Files theme or something today. Um, I considered doing that and decided not to. I started looking at some songs about conspiracy theories to go with today's show. And there's even one called Illuminati by uh, Madonna, and I tried to listen to it, and I wanted to pick up a scratch out and stab my eardrums out to make it go away. And I realized, D- dummy, don't don't stab your eardrums. You can just turn it off. So I turned it off. And I thought, you know, what about, there's a lot of songs about the type of civil unrest that we're seeing today. Because this is not new. It's happened before. It'll happen again. Um, and I thought of, you know, uh, something happening here about Buffalo Springfield. I played that a bunch of times. Like, what else is there? And I remembered a song by Gordon Lightfoot from 1970, and it's about the 1967 Detroit riots. It's called Black Day in July. And I really recommend that you go look up the episode today. Again, the episode today is uh, 2720. And I always put a link to a YouTube video um, for the song of the day with the song in it. And today's, there was a better one that I knew of that had, like, slides of what was going on. That one has been uh, disabled by YouTube because it troubled some members of the YouTube community. Uh, Somebody else made another one they haven't disabled yet, so you might want to watch it before they disable it. Maybe I'll snatch it off of there. and I already did snatch it off. I'm going to upload it to Library TV and BitChute or something like that so it doesn't get lost to uh, to censorship. But it's just news photos. It's all black and white because it's 67. It's news photographs and uh, stills from TV broadcasts. Of what it looked like and what was happening, and what the politicians were doing and what the people were doing, and what's amazing, you know, how they can colorize pictures. I would say, with the exception of the politicians, because like there's one with LBJ, and obviously LBJ's not here today. If you if you took out the people that are recognizable, eighty percent of the images, if you colorized them and put them on TV today, people would just think that's what's going on. That's It looks exactly the same. Maybe the cars are old. But if if the ones without cars, which just shops that are damaged and the way people are acting. It all looks the same. The good news. As I said, this is not new. And it has happened before. And it does have the potential to burn itself out. But let me tell you what. It didn't burn itself out in 1967. And you hear Gordon talking about how they send in the troops and all and the tanks And they put a stop to it. And you can tell he wasn't exactly a fan of that. But he said something like, you know, it it had to happen. We had to do it. There's nothing else we could do. There is a point where when these types of things start going on, if you want them to stop, that's what you do. You stop it. I got another way to stop it. You allow people to defend themselves and their businesses, and you allow them to employ people to defend their businesses, their homes, and their, their person. And you get a lot more F around and find out, and you shoot a lot more people, and it stops. And once people realize, hey, if I go do this, somebody's going to shoot me, and no one's going to do anything to stop it, but you know what that is? That's a world where self-defense is an undeniable right, and defense of property is an undeniable right, and we don't have that. So if you're going to have the world we have, where we have a military and we have a police force, and they're supposed to protect us, then the minute this shit starts, you have to put a stop to it. And you don't worry about the fact, well, it's peaceful protesters. You don't bother the peaceful protesters. You go out and you arrest, you club, you gas, you put down every person that picks up a rock or a stone or a brick or a Molotov cocktail, and you put an end to it. You round them up, you lock them up, you beat their ass, and if there's some people that get caught in the crossfire, you you announce, we're going to do this. and and that's the thing they already have the system peaceful protests there's a curfew it ends at 7 at 7 we're going to start busting heads and that's what they did and you will see evidence that that's what they did in 67 in Detroit and I'll tell you what the people rioting in 67 had a much stronger case for why they were doing what they were doing even though it was wrong then to the people today it's clear to me now I already knew that it was orchestrated But it's clear to me now, based on the fact, if you think about three people getting shot, and all three of them being convicted felons, all three of them, the odds of that happening organically are pretty low. That means these people are being paid to be there. And they're buying thugs with criminal records. This is very dangerous. And hopefully, we don't have a new song Call Black Day in September to come later this year. I fear that we may. Jack Spierko here with another expo- episode of the Survival Podcast.
0: The city madness has touched the countryside. And through the smoke and cinders, you can hear it far and wide. The doors are quickly bolted and the children locked inside. Black Day in July. Black Day in July. And the soul of Motor City is spared across the land As the book of law and order is taken in the hands of the sons of the fathers who were carried to this land Black day in July, black day in July In the streets of Motor City there's a deathly silence down and the body of a dead youth lies stretched upon the ground upon the filthy pavements No reason can be found Black day in July Black day in July Motor city madness has touched the country's side. And the people rise in anger, and the streets begin to fill. And there's gunfire from the rooftops, and the blood begins to spill. like day in July. In the mansion of the governor, there's nothing that is known for sure. The telephone is ringing, and the pendulum is swinging. And they wonder how it happened, and they really know the reason. And it wasn't just the temperature, and it wasn't just the season Black day in July Black day in July Motor city's burning, and the flames are running wild They reflect upon the waters of the river and the lake And everyone is listening, and everyone's awake Black Day in July. Black Day in July. The printing press is turning and the news is quickly flashed. And you read your morning paper and you sip your cup of tea. And you wonder just in passing, is it him or is it me? Black Day in July. In the office of the President The deed is done, the troops are sent There's really not much choice, you see It looks to us like anarchy And then the tanks go rolling in to patch things up as best they can There is no time to hesitate The speech is made, the dues can wait Black Day in July Black Day in July the streets of Motor City now are quiet and serene. But the shapes of gutted buildings strike terror to the heart. And you say, How did it happen? And you say, How did it start? Why can't we all be brothers? Why can't we live in peace? But the hands of the have-nots keep falling out of reach. Black day in July. Black day in July. Motor city madness has touched the countryside. And through the smoke and cinders, you can hear it far and wide. Uh, the doors are quickly bolted and the children are locked inside. Black day in July. Black day in July. Black day in July.